Once I was at a party, and here's a sign of aging. I no longer remember what city it was in, or what the party was for, or who invited me. But I do remember it was summer, and there was beer, and crawfish. And I remember being introduced by whoever had invited me to a fairly tall man. I shook his hand and said hello. I'm happy to meet you, I said. And he said, me too. And then he asked, what state are you from? Illinois, I said. He said, me too. Then he asked, where were you born? Chicago, I said. Me too. What hospital? Grant Hospital, I told him. Me too, he said. What floor? And I, I, gah, who knows what floor they're born on? That's when I realized the whole thing had been a joke for him. He laughed and laughed and walked away to get more crawfish. Welcome to Artipus, art you can hear. Artipus visits Andrea Bauer's exhibit, Open Secret, at Gallery Kapitan Petzl in Berlin. It was my first time eating crawfish, and I was pretty excited about it. My only other experience with crawfish so far had been dissecting it in high school, in the biology class I signed up for, mainly to get away from Robert Sunderland. Robert Sunderland was my next-door neighbor in the first house my family lived in. I guess Robert was a popular name in the late 60s when we were all born. There were a lot of Roberts in my neighborhood. Robert Sunderland, Robert Krauss, Robert Lukowski. They all ran around the neighborhood together, tearing up and down the streets on their bikes, racing across backyards, terrorizing house pets and girls when they ran out of other stuff to do. One summer day, when I was outside playing, I was about five or six, Robert Sunderland and Robert Krauss came up to me and said, Susie, won't you smile for us? I was immediately suspicious. One Robert was bad enough. Two Roberts were serious trouble. Three Roberts were downright apocalyptic. No, no, they insisted. They really just wanted to see me smile. You're so pretty, they said, and you're even prettier when you smile. Won't you smile for us, please? Well, a smile doesn't cost anything, I had been taught, so I smiled. And they punched me in the teeth. I first saw Andrea Bauer's work in 2014 at the Espace Cultural Louis Vuitton in Paris. Called In C21, she showed large cardboard collage butterflies printed with empowerment slogans that reminded me of textured street art. I remember thinking they were nice. But this was also in June 2014. Donald Trump was still filming The Apprentice. Eric Garner, Michael Brown, and Tamir Rice were still alive for at least another month. ISIS hadn't beheaded any American journalists yet. Gamergate was still two months away. Comedian Hannibal Buress was still writing his infamous Bill Cosby rape joke. 
Paris still had another seven months to go before the first round of terrorist attacks. And it was a full three years before American actress Alyssa Milano would make the Me Too hashtag go viral. And Germany had only just played its first game of that year's World Cup. Ah, the good old days, back when some men's predatory behavior was just an open secret. Unless you're the Ukraine. Open Secret, Part 1, is the title of Andrea Bauer's solo exhibit at the Berlin Gallery Capitan Petzl. Bowers takes over the entire gallery with multimedia work, but the main attraction is the 19 by 4 meter wall standing in the middle of the gallery, like an office bulletin board, covered in long red scrolls of paper printed with the allegations and, when available, public replies of a hundred men who have been accused of sexual aggression and violence in the Me Too and Time's Up movements. When I read a brief description of this exhibit online, I was pretty excited about it. Of course I was interested in seeing an artist's interpretation of me, too. But when I read a longer description, I admit I was actually put off. I hate text-based art in general, with very few exceptions. Especially long texts, because why not just write a book? I read that for Open Secret, office chairs are placed along both sides of the featured wall, and that made it sound more like a room divider now. The chairs are to provide comfortable seating for visitors who wish to read all the texts, but also as a nod to the workplace where so many of these incidents occurred. It sounded literal to me, and boring, because offices are boring. But I was already committed, so I went. I was meeting my friend Liliana, a Colombian-American performer who's been in Berlin longer than I have, but who, like so many American women around the world, had been watching Transfixed as Me Too, Time's Up in the Women's March, has been sweeping across our homeland, wondering where it will go and if it will jump oceans and seas and sweep us over here up too. The giant wall in the middle of the main gallery floor is impossible to miss. Long red paper scrolls roll down the wall, some extending out onto the floor like wagging tongues. Each account begins stating the name of the accused and his occupation, and then his statement, apology, rebuttal, all printed in white, the color of innocence, the color of truth. Most are accompanied with a photograph, and underneath that, in black lettering, an account of the accusations and legal actions against them. I sort of began reading these in good sport, you could say. I was at the gallery, I was there to see this exhibit, so I might as well dive in. Some of the stories I already knew. Harvey Weinstein, his crime so extensive and his story so pivotal, got two scrolls. Donald Trump only got one, unfortunately, although he is one of three American presidents featured on Bauer's wall. Bill Cosby is there, and Bill O'Reilly, Senator Al Franken, news anchor Matt Lauer, Justice Roy Moore, Pastor Bill Hybels, President Bill Clinton, and President George Herbert Walker Bush. Patriarchy has been such a disappointment.
When I was eight years old, we moved to a new house in a different school district, and I didn't see any of those Roberts again, until high school. I walked into the high school cafeteria on my very first day as a freshman, and there was this big, burly kid perched on the corner of a cafeteria table like he owned the place. I didn't recognize him, but he knew who I was right away. Well, look who it is, he said, looking me up and down. Little Susie Colick, all grown up. We were 13. Do you have a boyfriend yet? Do you want to go on a date with me? <laughs> I said no, and reminded him he had punched me in the teeth when we were five. He said, oh, come on. We were just playing. Are you still mad about that? By the way, we're going to be in the same chemistry class. So I switched to biology, which is too bad because I had really been interested in chemistry and had done well in that subject in junior high. Anyway, later that year in biology class, we dissected some crawfish and learned where crawfish babies came from and that most of them die. Because the accusations on Bauer's open secret wall are presented as reportage, printed in condemning black ink instead of verity white, they are in stark contrast to the personal statements of apology or innocence they underscore. And I say underscore because it is a literal underscoring. The flat, factual tone of the allegations are printed beneath the emotional, dismissive, and often borderline ridiculous responses of the accused. The more accounts of sexual assault I read, the more profoundly I felt the impact of the piece itself. Printed in various shades of crimson, from the pink blush of embarrassment to the deep red of shame to the brownish red of disgust and menstrual blood, the color choice is brilliant. It reminded me of Hester Prynne's Scarlet Letter A, of the red robes of The Handmaid's Tale, and of the red cape waved by Toreadors to enrage a bull. Red flags, basically. Giant red flags that are so long they reach all the way back into the past to forgotten cocktail parties 20 years ago, as in the case of Kevin Spacey and Dustin Hoffman, to different times, as in the case of George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton, and all the way back to when the accusers were 17, 14, or only 10 years old, as in the case of USC gynecologist George Tyndall, Ren and Stimpy Craig Michael John Crickfaluzzi, and U.S. Olympic physician Larry Nasser. The title of the exhibit comes from more than one account, one of which is actually self-described by the man accused, that these men's sexually predatory behavior was an open secret. And in a lot of cases, it was. Women's whisper networks warned colleagues away from certain men, certain companies, certain environments. Male colleagues simply looked the other way, figuring, I guess, it had nothing to do with them? Except when it did, as in the case of actor Anthony Edwards, sexually assaulted by screenwriter-producer Gary Goddard, or Anthony Rapp, the first of several actors to accuse Kevin Spacey. But it's mostly women, and for women who are building their career, they often have no other place to go. I mean, if you're working hard to reach an executive position in the Wynn Hotel and Resorts Group, you have to deal with Steve Wynn, CEO and chairman of the board. 
If you're building your career as a broadcast journalist at CBS, you have to put up with Les Moonves, CEO, chairman of the board, and president. If you're a young politician and you need the endorsement of a seasoned veteran, you have to bear with George H.W. Bush, President of the United States, and his hammy, handsy joke about David Copperfield. Speaking of David Copperfield, he's here too, accused in January 2018 of drugging and assaulting a teenager in 1998. Copperfield somehow manages to almost audibly sigh in his statement. As I weather yet another storm, he says, yes, David Copperfield, it's the same old hullabaloo. Did you really make the Statue of Liberty disappear? Did you really grope that waitress? I mean, it's all just slate of hand, isn't it? Liliana noticed that Copperfield's photo and his display is stamped with the watermark of Alarmy, a pay-for photo service, and she laughed that Bowers didn't want to pay for his photo, as though Copperfield's apology isn't even worth the paper it's printed on. Literally. I never really thought about crawfish until biology class, but it turns out that in addition to mating and dying young, they also feel stress and pain and emotions like anxiety. They are territorial creatures and they exhibit social hierarchies. So when two crawfish meet face to face, they generally fight until one of the opponents suddenly escapes, expressing clear, submissive behavior. But even after this display, the winner will continue to conduct excessive aggressive acts towards the loser, harassing it and causing high levels of stress. The loser expresses anxiety-like behavior for a long time after. This mainly happens only in enclosed spaces that the crawfish can't really escape from, like an aquarium, or a cafeteria, or an office. While at the ground level, the down-to-earth level, the allegations of sexual harassment, abuse, and violence range from infuriating to downright shocking on Bauer's wall. It's Bauer's effect of putting the public statements issued by these men side by side that is the most interesting thing for me here. There seems to be only a finite number of defense mechanisms that range from outright denial to dismissive to insulting the accusers, to allying with the Me Too movement, to screaming victimhood themselves. The artist Chuck Close manages to cover all of these in a series of statements he issued in 2017, which start out with basically, I'm old, I'm rich, and I'm going to be dead soon, so you can't touch me, to I sincerely apologize, I never intended harm, I'm in a wheelchair, once some of his art exhibits were canceled. And to finally realizing he isn't going to be forgiven and screaming, Lies! Lies! It's all lies, I tell ya! One of the most common statements is about intent. 
I never intended to hurt anyone. I never intended to cause anyone discomfort. I never intended to cause anyone any pain. I only wanted to see you bathing in the purple rain, naked, while I watch. I commented to Liliana that, after reading this, I never intended to hurt anyone's statement so many times. Not only had it lost all meaning, but I actually suspect they did intend. Liliana pointed out that women are raised to ask for permission and men are raised to ask for forgiveness. But these men aren't asking for forgiveness. They're asking to be excused. It wasn't my intent to cause pain. I didn't know. I'm innocent, they say. But while it was happening, they got off on it. They enjoyed the droit de passage that comes with success. The level of discomfort and disregard they can display is a clear marker of power. We are all at their mercy. All these years later, although I've forgotten the city and the host and the reason for my first crawfish party, I've never forgotten the exchange I had with that tall man. I've never been able to figure out why he would do that to someone he was meeting for the first time, build me up on a false trust, dangle a promise of camaraderie and respect and friendship, only to crush it and then laugh at me for trusting him, like a punch in the teeth. I wonder if his name was Robert. Bauer's Wall continues upstairs in the mezzanine, and it starts to feel overwhelming, exhausting, to come across a room of more red scrolls, more shameful men, more of the same non-apologies. It's fatiguing, which is exactly what most people are starting to feel about the Me Too and Time's Up movements. Also on the mezzanine level are Bauer's signature cardboard collage works, suffragette-style propaganda posters with slogans supporting feminism, equality, and the Me Too movements. Lining the long walkway that runs the length of the main gallery floor are five oversized cardboard assault rifles, painted pink and armed with slogans for the March for Our Lives movements, like Books Not Bullets, Protect Kids Not Guns, and Arms Are for Hugging. The posters and guns are cool, but they seem a little superfluous because that giant patriarchal wall just looms over everything. You can't get around it. In the lower level of the gallery, Bauer's video work, Disrupting and Resisting, is on an endless loop. The hour-and-a-half video cuts between footage of the activist group Disrupt J20's efforts to shut down the presidential inauguration in January 2017 and the Women's March that took place the very next day. Slogans, chants, shouts, and protests filter up to the main floor of the gallery and provide a soundtrack to the large wall of open secrets, like the clamoring voices of all the women who have struggled to be heard, believed, trusted. Back on the main gallery floor, at the far end from the entrance, is another of Bauer's cardboard collage works, 
a sign fixed with colorful light bulbs that cheerily flashes in the corner of your eye while you read the accusations. Trust women, it says. Trust women. If we had trusted women all along, we wouldn't be here today. Trust women, it blinks. Trust women, it winks. Trust women, I think, because we've been trusting men for too long. To call this a rogues gallery would be diminishing the intensity of the problem. Putting it into context, Joseph James D'Angelo, the man suspected of being California's Golden State Killer, is believed to have raped 56 women. Bill Cosby sexually assaulted 60 women. That's four more than an actual serial killer. do with all these terrible men? We can't very well throw them all into a pot and boil them up, snack on them with a little salty butter and beer, can we? No, no, that's not the solution. Think of the vegetarians. The last time I had crawfish was in Louisiana, just across Lake Pontchartrain in a double-wide trailer-turned restaurant, complete with fake wood paneling, a handful of old-timers playing bluegrass, and something I had forgotten about from 1970s America until that very moment. Two wall-unit air conditioners mounted one next to the other because neither one is powerful enough on its own. I was with my martial arts teacher, his partner, and two other instructors. I had started training with my teacher in Los Angeles after becoming the victim of a violent crime. Over the course of eight years, he trained me in the art of ninjutsu, the art of the ninja, an art I took to right away because I was already really good at evading, slipping away, making myself small, and sometimes invisible. It was a hot summer night. Buckets of crawdads were dumped onto our table, washed down with butter and beer, the waitress adding a little extra sass for my sensei, the old-timers kicking the banjos up a notch over the cracking and slurping of boiled crustaceans, winners and losers, the double air conditioners side by side, trying to hold the muggy bayou at bay. Andrea Bauer's Open Secret is on view through August 11th at Capitan Petzl, Karl Marx Allee 45 in Berlin.
Music used in this episode is the Eunice Two-Step by Zydeco musician Amade Ardwan and Early Stomp by Catahoula Curse. Both tracks used in this episode and transcript under the Fair Use Act. Artipis is an independently produced podcast supporting artists, museums and galleries, and local musicians. If you connected to this episode, please support the making of the next one. Just click on the donate button at our website, www.artipus.com. That's A-R-T-I-P-O-E-U-S dot com. Transcripts and photos of this episode and more are available at medium.com. You're probably listening to us on SoundCloud or iTunes or on Acast for Android, but you can also stream us through one of our media partners. World Radio Paris, the first all-English radio station in the City of Light. Reaching over one million English speakers in Grand Paris, WRP broadcasts syndicated shows and locally produced content 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Broadcasting on digital audio band, look for World Radio Paris or call letters WRP. Find the full schedule at worldradioparis.fr. Bear Radio. Bear Radio is Berlin's first English-language podcast network, bringing together the best producers, hosts, and personalities in Berlin. Bear Radio curates Berlin-based programming that immerses, informs, and entertains. For a complete show list, visit bearradio.org. Glarify.com, the world's first art map app. The interactive global mapping tool that lets you locate artist studios, openings, and exhibits in your town and around the world. Sign up at Glarify.com. The Dark Rooms, a curator and artist collective dedicated to reaching beyond the art market through pop-up immersive art experiences in Berlin and beyond. Learn more at thedarkrooms.de. Galerie A Plus in Berlin, an independent exhibition space providing emerging artists a concentrated platform for presentation and discussion for a divergent art audience. Learn about upcoming exhibits and events at aplusaplus.de. Stuzu, the studio exchange for artists, helping artists find new inspiration in new places and grow their art. It's like creative Airbnb. List your studio at stuzu.com. Artipus is very proud to support Hangar One, a nonprofit organization helping Berlin's war zone migrants integrate into their new communities through art. Please support their work at hangarone.org. I'm Susie Collick, and you've been listening to Artipus, art you can hear.